G'day guys, g'day ladies, welcome to another Guitar Wank Podcast, I am your host, you have no choice, Troy McCubbin, thank you for joining us, for taking your time out of your busy, amazing day to listen to Guitar Wank, this is episode 164 and we are going to finish with Paul Jackson Jr. to uh, check out uh, what else he had to say. So that should be great. A couple of announcements. Bruce wants to let you guys know that he's coming to New York. If you're in New York and you want to catch up with Bruce, have a beer. He would love to see you. Uh, He's going to be at Dizzy's Lincoln Center on May 2nd, which I believe is a Thursday night. So May 2nd, Dizzy's Lincoln Center. That's like, uh, what is it, Broadway and 60th Street or something on the fifth floor. Go check it out. He's playing with uh, Rufus Reed and Matt Wilson. So it's going to be a great night. Bruce will be tearing it up. So go check that out. Say good day to Bruce. May 2nd at Dizzy's in uh, Lincoln Center, New York. For all the New York listeners out there. Uh, if you are in Australia, Danielle, DeAndrea and Bruce are coming to Australia don't miss this. Uh, if you have any house concerts you want to put together, uh, put together, um, reach out to us at guitarwank at gmail.com and we'll pass it on to Daniel and Bruce. They can do a house concert, have a barbecue and put on a concert. Anyway, but they'll be playing a bunch of venues down in Australia and uh, I believe in Melbourne, Sydney and Queensland. Check that out. Uh, and uh, we'll keep you up to date with the exact places and where they're going to be. But don't miss that. Make sure you go see Danielle and Bruce in Australia. Uh, what else we got going on? Our Patreon members. We've got winners everywhere over at patreon.com slash guitarwank or go to guitarwank.com and click on the Patreon um, tab on the top was the left-hand side and check it out but if you are a member to pay member of patreon guitar wank you are automatically in the running for amazing prizes we just gave away a boost pedal and uh a delay pedal from left coast workshop thanks jim from left coast workshop uh he's getting uh, a lot of great a lot of great interest because his pedals are really great mate um also we have an amazing Wireworld cable gift pack that we're going to be giving away. Um, I think it's like nearly 500 bucks worth of cables and gear from Wireworld. They've been a huge sponsor from day one uh, of Guitar Wank. Larry and David have been such big supporters and they're so awesome. They, they look after us at Guitar Wank. Uh, I use all the cables in my studio and definitely everything just sounds... Just sounds better. I love their stuff. People like Nathan East are using their stuff and Stuart Ham and and a lot of great people. Uh, I know the guys from Quilter that we just had in. We had uh, Pete and Pat from Quilter, Pat Quilter. Uh, They were in. I know they love their cables too. So uh, definitely be ready for that, Patreon members. It's going to be a big giveaway, which is fantastic. And does it end there? No, I believe not. We have more Left Coast pedals to give away. We have Quilter. Pat Quilter was so amazing to give away one of their amplifiers, which uh, weighs next to nothing and is ridiculous. The thing sounds amazing. You, you don't need to lug around heavy gear anymore. Use one of these amps and you'll be super, super satisfied. Uh, they sound incredible. I've been messing with it in the studio and I'm like, damn. 
uh, yeah, I need to get one. I need to get one. But uh, you guys are going to win one, so we're going to give one of one of those away. And what exactly are you giving away, Troy? Well, it's the Mini Reverb 101 um, Quilter Amplifier. It's a beast. It's ridiculous. It's got. Uh, it's it's a great prize. Yeah, Mini Reverb 101. So um, thank you, uh, Pat and Peter, for that. And uh, I can't wait to share that episode with you guys of Pat and how Quilter started and all blah, 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 blah. All that stuff. It's all good stuff. What else we got? Um, Left Coast, we talked about that. Wireworld. We're still waiting for mugs and T-shirts, guys. They're coming. Just hang in there. And uh, I think that's it. That's all we have to say. Scott's still doing his album. He'll be back whenever he gets back. But uh, until the meantime, also uh, Bruce obviously is a poet laureate of uh, North Coast Breweries now. Dare we uh, get to drink free beer here on Guitar Wank, which is uh, fantastic for moi and all of our guests that come into Guitar Wank Studios. It's uh, it's beer on tap. I can't uh, complain about that. But uh, big thanks to North Coast Breweries for their support. And uh, I think Bruce has a couple of announcements that he made last episode that we're going to... He has to update because I think he said something a little bit wrong. But he'll explain it, so you'll get it. But uh, it's all good stuff. So uh, other than that, let's get straight into Paul Jackson Jr. Thank you so much for all your support. If you don't want to be a Patreon member, well... You can't really be into the prizes thing, but you know we we do have mugs and t-shirts and caps. We've still got lots of caps, and um, or maybe you just want to donate. Uh, you can go to guitarwanker.com, sign up, please join, subscribe, leave us a review. You know how this internet's works, ladies and gentlemen. It's all about reviews, 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 and uh, clicks and clicks, and you know all that bullshit. Uh, doesn't it get old? Anyway, please share the episode, share us, and uh, let's keep building community. And uh, Bruce is going to be posting more stuff on Patreon, uh, hints and little lessons and stuff like that. And the, the more people we get on Patreon, the support we get, Bruce will be doing bigger things and uh, we'll be offering more, more stuff. So anyway, have a great week. Be safe. Let's look after each other and support everyone. And uh, we'll see you guys all next week for another Guitar Wank. Uh, Paul Jackson Jr. Let's go. And by the second set, Tali would be plastered. (laughs) And I would sit next to Tali because he would play and I'd learn a lot. And so by the second set, he'd just be hollering at me, play! Yeah. Come on, play! Make something happen. <laughs> you know, make something happen. Right, make something happen. <laughs> and this is the second set. You know, you got at least one more to go. Right. You know, you're not getting out of here to one in the morning. So, you know, and, but you learn stuff. You know, like you say, you learned, you know, like you said, after three songs, I got nothing. I better figure something out. You know, and, um, and it's funny because, you know, even even when you bring, you know, you bring charts to school, a lot of times you say, okay, you know, see, well, what'd you do there? I had to figure something out, make something up, make something happen. Now. Right. You know. You already did that. Do something else. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Right. It, 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 I mean, I've always, 
I believe there's three things to music. I, 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 t I do this a lot at master classes, or just, it's kind of like my, my credo. It's like three things in music get a sound, feel the beat, and make something happen. That's really it. I mean, if you ain't got a sound, it's not going to happen. Feel the beat doesn't mean play the beat. It means feel, feel the, beat. the beat. And then the third thing is makes, take, take responsibility to create something right. in the moment. And if you do those three things, you know, I didn't mention one chord, I didn't mention one lick, not one style. I think it's, it's that simple. Just yeah. keep it simple and then play great. And you said something interesting. Feel the beat. Now, for some reason, people think that there's certain kinds of music that don't have to groove. Couldn't be farther from the truth. Not in my world, but yeah. I agree with you. But I, uh, I think there are people that you know. They, oh well, you know, it's it's. And once again, we get into titles. It's like right. no. Well, does it feel good? No, it doesn't. Well, it's got to feel good. I don't care what you're playing. It's got to feel good. Yeah. You know, um, buddy of mine and I, we were listening to a certain um, player. And he played all the right notes. It just felt bad. Just, man, this is just, doesn't, just doesn't feel good. Like you said, he, he got number one. I thought this was off. He, you know, he got number one. <laughs> he got a sound. But in terms of feeling the beat, he kind of missed that step. And you know, and but but honestly, if if you listen to music or you you feel like you're you know like you've just played, and something's not happening. Yeah. If you just look at it through this lens, you can pretty well figure out what's wrong. Okay. Yeah. I mean, really. I mean, I, I've sat there with with bands, you know, student bands. And we've listened. I've kind of gone through this thing, and it's like. Uh, what was happening here? You know, this didn't. They, you know, so what's happening here? Well, my sound. I wasn't happy with my sound. Well, you know, I, I went. You know, if, I, you know, or nobody stepped to the plate and made anything happen. Made anything happen? We just kind of were safe the whole time. Do you do you yeah. remember we did this? Uh, it was an evening class where all the studio majors had to play the same class I was talking about. Yeah. And there was one kid. He starts playing. And his guitar sounds awful. And he gets about four or five bars in. I said, I stopped him. I said, how does your guitar sound to you? He said, oh, it sounds terrible. Ooh. I said, well, fix it. Why don't you fix it? He said, well, I said, I'll tell you what. You fool with the amplifier until you like the sound. I'm going to put a stopwatch on you. And when you're done, let me know. So he... Starts stopwatch. He starts turning knobs and stuff, and finally gets the sound. Says, "You like the sound?" Says, "Yeah." I said, "It's much better." I said, "That took you 27 seconds." And his excuse was, "Well, you know, I do some of these jams. I do a lot of jam sessions where you know I don't mess with the amp. I just go up and start playing." And I said, "Don't ever just go up and start playing." I said, "You don't sound." I said, "Don't sound bad. You want to sound good. And if it doesn't sound good, fix it." Yeah. Yeah. You know. But it's just interesting, like you said, get a sound. You know, first get it in your head, because that's the that's that's where the sound that's comes where the sound from. comes from is in your head. In your head, in your heart. Yeah. That's where the sound is, and your hands will do it. Right. Yeah, you know. you'll make the adjustments. Right. You know. And and but there are those situations like that. You're really nervous, you get up, you're sitting in at a jam session, whatever, you got right. your one tune, you're playing somebody else's amp. Yeah. And you got 
five seconds. Yeah. To deal with the equipment before right. you have to play, you yeah. know, and 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 that requires a strategy. Yeah. I mean, now I I don't play solid body guitars, so I can't answer this. But for the arch top guitar, an electric jazz guitar, it's pretty easy to do. Like your problem's going to be how clear it's going to be. So the thinnest, and, and you want fatness, right? Everybody's playing arch top for fat sound. Right. It's like the thinnest note on your guitar is the C on the east, high E string. It's the thinnest note on a jazz guitar. Boom. Play that note. Make sure it's properly bright. That's usually the treble. Properly bright. You know, you know it's going to be big in the bottom end. Right. You know, you don't need to worry about that. So that's high C. Boom. Get that the brightness and clarity you want. Is it is the room ambient enough to where you're getting sustained? If not, give it a little reverb. Make sure you've got plenty of gain. You don't want to be having to hit the guitar real hard to hear no, yourself. You don't. Because once you start doing that, the guitar starts losing sustain and tone and and, and you're just fighting an uphill battle. Mm -hmm. If you've got plenty of gain, everything's going to sustain. Everything's going to be, you can always turn it down. Right. So, like, so if you got the gain right, the treble right, and the, and the, mm -hmm. you're going to be okay. It takes what? What I just said takes what? Eight seconds? Eight five seconds? seconds? Five, yeah. Hit one note. Boom, one note. boom, boom. Okay, let's go. Let's go. Right. I mean, why is that so hard to figure out? If it's your instrument, you should know this by now. Well, it's like I, I you know, we t like I told the students, I said, listen, I didn't say it was fair. Yeah. I didn't make the rules. It just is what it is. Right. You know, I, I'm sorry. You know, we picked the guitar to play. You know, yes, you know, the sax, the, the, the violin player shows up with a violin, you know, and you show up with, an, with a guitar and an amp and a dolly and a this and a that. And the trumpet player shows up with a trumpet, you know, and, you know, if it's a gig where you're, playing a bunch of stuff then you have a pedal board and blah blah I'd listen and okay and he has to read and all he has to do is read notes he doesn't have to read any chords and you have to read notes and you have to read chords and you have to come listen I didn't make the rules I'm sorry it's just is what it is it's not I didn't say it was fair we just got to do it yeah you know so like you said you know th like th that's that's a quick way to at least well, and, that's, be, and I'm just talking about archetype I'm sure you'd have another way of equalizing a, a strat or a uh, Les Paul, or you know, something like it's that. It's very similar. You know. It's 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 kind of a little bit opposite. You know, for a guitar like that that is inherently thin, you know, you make sure you don't have maybe too many highs. You make sure that the bottom end is good. But once again, it's got to be clear. It can't be shrill, but it's got to be clear. So you, you know, yeah. play a few chords, play some low ones. You know, play the low strings a little bit. Play the high string. You know, we're talking about. Maybe a 15, 20 second process. Right. Yeah. Right. You can get close, you know. Yeah. It's really, I mean, but again, it's not, it's not a consideration. Yeah. If it's, you know, a lot of people, it's not a consideration. This is about playing notes and rhythms. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And, and uh, if, if that's where we're going to take this to, then we're just removing the heart and humanity from the music. Yeah. Notes and rhythms don't give a shit. They're just as happy to sound bad as good. <laughs> We're the ones that care. Yeah, right? That's funny. That's true. Oh, man. Wait, when you were do, uh, doing the LA scene, do, did you get gigs, session stuff, where you were doing stuff in other states and traveling to do sessions a lot? Or 
Not a lot. I went to New York a few times, but mainly it was in Los Angeles. Went yep. to Japan a couple of times to do some oh, stuff. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, went, to do Na- went to Nashville to do uh, just some projects with some buddies of, my, buddies of mine that were producers there. But, but really, for the most part, I stayed in L.A. Yeah. Yeah. Did you, when you went to Nashville, did you notice the big difference? No, because I was <laughs> just working for the one producer who I knew, and so it was, he'd call me to work Same on things. Yeah, specifically kind yeah. of what I was you know, doing. So. Did, you, yeah. did you have a favorite... Did you have a favorite genre working back then, like on the stuff that you played? No, you I just a, like to play. You just, you just I, whatever I, you give I, me, I I'm ready care. to go. I, I, yeah, I just like to play. <clears throat> just yeah. Yeah, you sound like I imagine in the studio with just one of those cats that just Paul's there. He's ready to go. Just throw anything at him, and you were just ready to deliver. Like you were just very easy and yeah. I mean, there's some things that I was better than others, but the thing is, it's like you know, the idea is you got to come up with something like we've been talking about yeah. and, and so you know you just try to try to stay ready and try to stay prepared and try to keep your ears open and you know listen and then learn I mean I learned a lot from other guitar players I would sit you know I would listen to like Dean Parks for instance oh, right, yeah. and just listen to what he was doing and I'd ask yeah. him okay well why'd you do that what was that that you did you know how'd you come up with there and I used to carry a notepad yeah and I'd write stuff down you know I'd, I'd see a guy like David T. Walker would play things that you know he had a certain style he always plays funny he played a um a uh oh shoot oh gosh drawing a blank single cutaway gibson uh archtop thin i was about oh the old 125 right wasn't a 125 it was a I always thought he was oh. a 335 guy, but no, that was just from the sound of it. Uh-uh, he didn't play 335. He played a, um... oh, shoot. I can't think of the name. Anyway, but um, I would sit and listen and watch what he did and, you know, make notes and, you know, listen to what guys were doing. And, and yeah, so I was, you know, just, you know, always a student, always trying to figure stuff yeah. out. So just to kind of stay ready, stay prepared, yeah. you know. Yeah. Wawa Watson with that. L5 with the skinniest strings in the world. It's yeah. like, that's so counterintuitive, but it sounded so great. It's not, yeah, he just made it work, you know. Yeah. He just, yeah, he made it work. Do you, looking back over your career now, do you have tracks that you hear on the radio and you go, man, that was, I can't believe I got to be on that. I mean, besides the Michael Jackson and Quincy stuff, was there other stuff that just, you know, sits in the heart where you're just like, wow, mm-hmm. man, I was a part of that. There's, what stands out for you? Um, wow. Um, some of the Whitney Houston stuff. Oh, wow. Yeah. that Because uh, I went on the road with her for five years, at, you know, later. And, uh, oh, hold on. i got to ask Yeah, because the, the, the live Whitney. stuff, right? I mean, yeah. yeah we, I don't know. If, I mean, for me personally, like being in the studio, it's great. I mean, it's a great honor and it's a challenge. Yeah. But, it never feels like a moment. It feels just like, you know, you're taking care of business in there. But when you get out in front of people and you experience the effect that the music has on hum- humans, that yeah. that's when I, in my life, the moments <clears throat> where I felt like, wow, gotcha. I'm part of something. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, maybe, maybe I guess my, ex- I mean, I haven't done near the studio, mm-hmm. you know, volume of studio stuff you have so but for me always when i'm in there it's it's just kind of like taking care of business and mm-hmm. making sure it's great you know and you know digging the music right and, but you when you play that music f- 
for right. people <clears throat> and they give it back, then it's like, and you hear the people you're playing with do it in, you know, in a, yeah. in, in a real environment. I mean, I guess because maybe that's just because it's my natural. Well, I, I, I don't know. For me, it was it was it was probably both. I mean, being in the studio was, like I said, for me, it was like always amazing that I, you know, that I was working on. There's a song that I did with George Duke called Bus Tour. Mm -hmm. Was probably singly the hardest piece of music I ever had to play. And I told George I couldn't play it. He's like, yeah, you can play it. So he gave me the music <laughs> and he said, come back tomorrow. And so I took it home and worked on it. And so when I hear Bus Tour, I'm like still amazed that, that, that he had enough faith in me to play the song. You know, everyone's going to look up that song now. We're going to listen Great. to it. That's and, awesome. Uh, yeah, we got like 10 people to listen to this. <laughs> <laughs> Man, hold it. You, you said Whitney Houston. All right. How, at what point in her career did you do the tour with Whitney? It was from 94 to 99. Oh, wow. So, right. big years. Yeah, yeah biggest yeah, year. Yeah. So, um, we, yeah, went on the road, was in the band. I went to replace a guy who was leaving to be an MD for somebody else. I was supposed to be gone, supposed to be gone for five months. I ended up staying five years. Wow. And went all over the place. And, and, and you know, like Bruce was saying... You get to see how how music touches people and how they react and how they respond, and you know I used to do a thing that I still do to, the, do to this day is her show was like two hours long, so I would in the dressing room I would play the show before I played the show, and that way I'd make most of my mistakes in the dressing room as opposed to making them on the stage, and every time I would do that I'd have a better show. Well, you know and. Uh, but uh, yeah, working over there was was really incredible. How how big a band was were you guys at that point? Uh, two keys, guitar, bass, drums, percussion, one sax, three background singers. Wow, I mean Whitney Houston, man. I mean the, the one of the biggest of the big. Um, was there a lot of interaction between artist and band at all? Like, Absolutely. She, oh, she she was. Pretty oh, personable. she was the best. Yeah, yeah, she was. She was one of the nicest people I've ever worked for. Oh, she would hang so out cool. with the band and, and the, she had some singers and dancers and she'd, she'd just hang out with everybody and she yeah. was always available and, you know, none of that like, you know, it's funny because if anybody deserved the title of diva, she did, yeah. but she was one of the nicest people you'd ever want to meet. Very, very amenable, very oh, approachable. So just cool. really, really a sweetheart. Wow, man, Whitney yeah. Houston. Yeah. I think that's incredible, man. That's so freaking cool. Yeah, just a nice, nice lady. Wow. And I imagine back then, the, probably the pay grade for that kind of tour would have been really good. That was pretty good. That one's yep. pretty good. Yeah. Because I know pay grade Well, he stayed nowadays. there five years. Yeah. Was that? He stayed five, stayed five, five years. Stayed five years, yes. Yeah, so right. it, it was pretty good. You know, yeah. he could have been in the tour. studio. Well, the, the leader of the band was Ricky Minor, who... Uh, you know, oh, Ricky Minor, yeah, yeah, yeah so of course. So been working with... That was the first... The, the first five of our 21-year relationship. Yeah. And uh, we, yeah, we just did, he just did the Oscars, so I was able to do that with him. I saw, oh, you did the Oscars mm -hmm. as well? Yeah. Oh, damn, man. Yeah. But, uh, you know, it was Ricky Minor and, um, um, let's see, Kirk Whalen was a sax player for a while. Larry Williams did it. Uh, Gerald Albright did it. Um, great percussionist from New York named Bashiri Johnson. Keyboard players from New York, Beth Sussman, amazing keyboard player from here, Wayne Lindsay. Uh, drummer was uh, a guy named Michael Baker. Okay. Um, yep. um, and then let's see who else. Oh man, he's so badass. Yeah, Mike Baker's great. Mike Baker's so great. He's amazing. Yeah, he's great. Um, hey, where is he these days? He's I, I think he's back here now. Actually, yeah, he had moved out of the country for a minute, but he's back here. Um, who else? Um, the singers kind of changed. There was Alfie Silas, Olivia McClurkin, and Patty Howard. 
were there when I was there. And, uh, <coughs> and that was the band and me. Wow, man. Yeah. And when you were traveling with that, did you get to do a pretty elaborate guitar setup for that? Uh, not really. It was, oh, excuse me. it was pretty simple. I used a, a Roland GT5, mm-hmm. um, a Revere amp, um, actually a couple of Revere amps. And uh, did I use a Triaxis? No, let's see. You know, I think, yeah, I used the Roland GT5. I used a Triaxis preamp. And I think the Rivera power amp and two Rivera speakers. Is right. what I used. <coughs> yeah. And that was it. Were you doing stereo mm-hmm. back then? Back yeah. stereo, yeah. 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 Everybody was racked then, right? Yeah, it was, yeah, but it was the only two racked things was, was the power amp and the preamp. It, yeah. was, it was the the first iteration of the Roland GT stomp box situations. And it was actually one of the better ones because it was, it was really rugged. It had five presets and it was, you know, um, uh, you know, it was programmable so I could get yeah. my levels preset and stuff and, and it was pretty hardy on the road, although I went through about three of them, I think. <laughs> you know, yeah. Wow, man. And you looking back on the set now, do you ever... I, I, I toured with Wilson Phillips for a little bit. Oh, nice. Um, and there was always a couple of songs in the set. I was like, <coughs> always looking for the forward to those songs that were so much fun to play. Did you have some songs with Whitney that were just, oh, man, I can't wait to get to this song. It's so many. Um, not really. I mean, they were all pretty much fun. I mean, yeah, it was just, you yeah. know, for me, it was trying to remember all the music. You know, because it was, like I said, it was a two-hour show. It was like, you know, 20-something songs, and we're going through And you, yeah, definitely not on charts or anything. You're no, off charts. at so that point, we, you know, memory. we, no. We, yep. It's funny. She did um, Constitution Hall, yep. and it was all standards. And uh, we rehearsed for a month, and it was 30 songs, I think. And I memorized all of them but one. There was one song <laughs> I just couldn't remember for some reason. But, uh, yeah, so, you know, wow. but, uh, so for me, it was about remembering the music, remembering the, the parts and, you know, and just having fun, you know, yeah. but, but no, it was all, it was all, it was all really a lot is of that, fun to play. That's the, the, cause you said before, ah, I didn't do a lot of touring, but is that the biggest tour that you kind of did as in the yeah, longest time out the road? <laughs> yeah, that'd be the biggest one. Yeah. Absolutely. And the Oscars, man, I've got to ask you about the Oscars. What's, what's that like? Do you, I mean, do you even get a sense of what's going up above there? Or you, you guys are in the pit doing your thing? We were in the pit, and we didn't really see much. Right. But that was okay. I mean, you know, we were, you know, we were there, and that was cool. But... I did. You didn't miss a hole. <laughs> okay. <laughs> all I knew was that Queen was really, really loud. That's all I knew. Was <laughs> Brian May was really loud. Oh, that I was knew. He, but he was right We were above. right below him, yeah. That's the way that works. Yeah. You know, right? Yeah, yes. I mean... You can tell. I just saw that movie. Oh, did you? Yeah, I just saw Bohemian Rhapsody yeah. uh, Sunday night. Yeah. Saturday night. Oh, okay. And, yeah, I mean, you can just tell. That, again, that's back to the gain thing. You yeah. get that much gas underneath you, man, you can fly. Yeah. You know. You know, so, uh, but, uh, yeah, I couldn't really tell what was going on. I really enjoyed Bette Midler. Oh, yeah, isn't she good? Yeah. And that song. That song. Oh, that man. song was wow. really, I mean, no offense to the one that won, but that song, that song really that was, had, I yeah. mean, it was, it was, it had like 70 years of history. And I mean, it was, it was a beautiful song for the sentiment that it was in the right. movie, but it, it drew from all these elements, yet it wasn't like cliche right. in any yeah. way. It it's so rare that you hear, and she did a great job. No histrionics, just right. It's a beautiful song. I mean, I don't think she did as even good a job as, as Emily Blunt did in the movie. Okay, but but she did a fantastic yeah. job. And I tell you what else I really liked. 
the duo that did when a cowboy trains his, trades his spurs for his wings. Did you see yeah, that? Oh, sure, yeah, sure, we yeah. did say, yeah, that was cool, man. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. oh, yeah. Th- th- who was that? That was, um, was it Alison Krauss? It was the other. No. But th- they were. Th- oh, great. They were, yeah. Wow. Yeah, and that, and that movie was really good, too. Which movie was it from? It was from Ballad of Buster Scruggs. Oh, yeah, that okay. was a great movie, yeah. 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 yeah, but that song and the presentation. Yeah, but you know, just... you can't beat out. <laughs> I'm sorry, the, the one song that won didn't really. I forgot what won. Uh, it was the one with Lady Gaga. <laughs> okay, yeah. yeah. But man, those two, I mean, yeah. when they sang that song, I just stopped and I was like, wow. Beauty. Wow. It's Beauty. Just, yeah. Beauty. It's beautiful. They played together and the vocal harmonies and just the and the solo that he took. I was just I said, man, this is wonderful. You know. So th- those though I, I saw those things. Those yeah. those were kind of pretty but, cool. D- Dave, that kind of gig. I mean, you obviously get the gig because you, you're good friends with Ricky, and obviously you're mm. one of the baddest doing that kind of stuff. Is that just sit down? All right, here's your charts and where you go. Or do you get some time with the charts? Do you spend rehearsals? We had a little time to look over. There were like dozens of charts. Right. And so there were like a lot of sounds, a lot of different cues, a lot of guitar changes. Wow. A lot of acoustic and a lot of steel string, a lot of nylon. Uh, There's a lot of arch top stuff. Um, a lot of solos. There's a bunch of stuff, you know. A lot of playing lines with other folks, so it was just it was a lot of music. Man, that, you I, rehearsed. There were some yeah. rehearsals. Yeah, we rehearsed. We uh, well, <laughs> kinda. <laughs> what we did was they sent the music out, and the first day was actually not a, it was a recording. So we'd run it a couple times and then cut it. You know, get a you know get a groove on it, and you know, like the theme probably took the longest. I think we did like maybe three or four takes of the theme, but other than that, everything else was 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 pretty fast you know but um so yeah there wasn't a lot of rehearsal the stuff we rehearsed was after doing all the pre-records like the play-ons and then the theme and things like that it was uh the ancillary stuff you know generic play-ons all those kind of things we rehearsed those a lot and there were tons of those you know? uh-huh, it's a couple of days rehearsal yeah a couple of days rehearsal and then they, yeah. they ran the, but, they, but they did two run-throughs so yeah. that was good they run through saturday night then they run through sunday morning then they, then they do the show yeah. Oh, so, okay. Yeah. yeah. So it was. Yeah. And, and there's some like strange like you can't talk to anybody about you're doing it, right? Right. Like you couldn't even tell your wife that you're playing. Well, I could tell her the odds, but you can't post anything. You can't take any pictures. None of that kind of stuff. And all the all the um, and I got to tell you, it was organiz- organ organization wise in terms of organization, it was really really done well. Um, all the passes. This might be a little extreme, but all the passes were like picture IDs with barcodes that you had to scan to get in and then the the um the dolby center they actually shut down the entire there were no restaurants open no nothing the day of the oscars the whole thing is shut down Uh, you have to go through police barricades to get in and stuff it's yeah security was very high but uh, and you couldn't post anything don't post anything no pictures no you know no nothing so um but yeah it was you know so it was kind of secretive but it, it worked out worked out worked out real good Oh, man. And you just have you have a little section there, and there were running multiple amps. Or what no, that would I just used a uh, 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 Vibrolux. Yep. And my little travel pedal board, my little tiny pedal board. Wow, that's it. Mm-hmm. Way to go! Yeah. Did you play the art shop or did Dean? Dean did because most of those parts, there were like three of them, and they were in the guitar one book, 
Now that was an interesting situation because normally Guitar One book is harder, but the composer split stuff up. So the Guitar Two book had almost as many, well, basically just as many lines as, as and sometimes more. Like I had all the lines in the theme. Um, so it was split up like really well, but he had the archtop cues. So he had, he had to bring one to, uh, I had one at the, I had, we both had them at the date, but then, you know, for recordings, we both used them. But, uh, but for the, the show, he, he, he only played it. Only he played it. Yeah. Well, was that the first Oscars you'd, you'd played? First one. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Mm -hmm. man. Damn. Yeah. Oscars. That's yeah. I, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm not a chart guy on, on no, no, but just changing pages, pages, and I always had problems with my eyes being horrible in low light, and I never had lights, and it just, I'd always be on the wrong page, and so it just blows me away when you guys just make that look just like nothing, and just stroll in and well, do it's, it. It's, it's still, still working at it. I mean, you know, yep. it's something that you never can get too good at. Right. And, uh, you know, when people say, and I'm sure you people tell you this sometimes, oh, Bruce, man, you make that look easy, you know. <laughs> no. And, and the answer is, listen. I said we work really hard to make it look easy. Yeah, you know, you and don't, don't, geez. you know. It's like this. Yeah, I mean, no. you know, yeah, yeah. It's like no. <laughs> you know, I mean, that's like, like you know, when I went to see uh, Frank the other night, and I'm sitting there going, man, this is really inspiring. And I'm sitting there, you know, all I could think about was being a kid, being a 16 year old kid, coming to a club to listen to a guitar player learn some and hear some great music and, and, and be inspired. And that's exactly what it was. This was Frank? Frank Potenza. Oh, okay, yep, yeah. yep. And, you know, and like I said, man, you know, he's going through this stuff and I'm saying to myself, that's a lot of years of hard work, you know, to make it sound this good and to make, do it that flawlessly. That's a lot of years of hard work, you know. And uh, so... You know, that's that's what I tell people. Yeah. You know, when they say, "Oh man, you make this look easy," I say, "Well, I said we work really hard yeah, to make really it look hard, easy." Yeah. Exactly. <coughs> do, you, do you go home nowadays and and practice or go through stuff? You still do you have a regimen that you do? Mm -hmm. or, yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Practice technique. Practice uh, playing through changes. Um, practice classical, and then uh, working on dobro, and eventually I'll get back to banjo. Oh wow! Man. Yeah. Yeah, it never stops. There's always something to learn. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, always something to get better at. Always, you know. It was um. It's, it's, so when you guys you guys just go to three piece, you said three piece when you guys go on the road. Oh well, no, we get a we get a bass player and a drummer. So it's uh, Jeff on keys, oh, Edward okay. Harper on sax, yep. me on guitar, and then we'll get a, a bass player and a drummer depending on where we are. You know, yep. we, yeah, different parts of the country, we get different guys. Do you guys have any gigs coming up at all? And <clears throat> we've got a couple festivals. And um, we're doing the Dave Koz Jazz Cruise or Dave oh, Koz cool. Cruise. We're doing that. And um, festival in Portland. Got a few festivals this year that we're doing. Uh, doing Oxnard Festival in September. Yep. And so we're doing a few of those. And, oh, yeah. cool. Yeah. And you mentioned you had a instructional video that you did that a I while did years ago. ago. It was right. called The Science of Rhythm Guitar. And, uh, you know... Um, the reason I call it that is because I never felt like you could just sit down and play. You can't just sit down and play a song. Mm -hmm. You have to analyze it and you have to break it down and harmonically and 
rhythmically to intelligently play a rhythm part that enhances the song. And you have to look at chords, you have to look at passing tones, you have to look at common tones, you know, you have to look at the concept of space and of range and a lot of different things that are really probably akin to mathematics. And that's how I always approached it. So I called it the science of rhythm guitar. And uh, it, you know, it did well. Actually, you still sell it. You can still buy DVDs of it. But I think it's time to, you know, do something else. So not, oh, man, you're going to do another yeah. one. That'd oh yeah, we'll so get you. Cool. I'll get you. Yeah. We'll get you something. That'd yeah. be so <laughs> so yeah. cool. Yeah, really be oh, yeah. really awesome to have you do some stuff. So um, and you you probably find that you well I know Bruce has talked about it too, but just rhythm is the overlooked. You know, I'm sure you played majority of your life rhythm, and you know we don't get the solo every every song or whatever. It's all about the rhythm. If you're not a great rhythm player, it's you're missing the point, right? Well, yeah, I mean, you look at a guy like, for instance, you look at a guy like Freddie Green, who wasn't known for playing a lot of solos, but he was the guy that broke the drummer in because his time was good. He was the guy that you had to hear over all those horns. Mm -hmm. And he made the comment that um, for him, the guitar should sound like the drummer is playing chords. Mm. You know, so it gets back to what Bruce said is, you know, is get a sound and was it feel the feel rhythm? the beat feel the beat you know you got you got to feel good yeah you yeah. know and uh and that's what a lot of guys you know and he he understood that and so regardless of the genre of music it's just got to feel good so a, a lot of times that involves you know rhythm guitar and and a lot of um people you know well historically i think a lot of folks overlooked it you know, or thought it was too simplistic or whatever, but depends on how you approach it, you know. But, um, yeah, so that's that's one of the things I've, I've gravitated to. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, man. And s album? Have you got an album? I do. I have a, an album called uh, Stories from Stompin' Willie. And Stompin' Willie was a nickname given to me by George Duke. Oh, wow. <laughs> and it's actually a tribute to him. Yeah. And I recorded uh, three of his songs on there. And... Um, and you know some other stuff. You know? Yeah, yeah. And we can just we can get that at, at anywhere on. Oh, you can get it at, at Amazon or iTunes. Yeah. It's all on iTunes yeah. and yeah, yeah. Love story. it, man. Thank you. Yeah, That's story really from Stop and Willie. Yeah, it's really cool. Bruce, beautiful. Do you have any? I got lots of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually I'm catching a plane to Nashville tomorrow. Oh, I'm nice. Off, yeah, oh. I'm off, to, off to Nashville for a few for a week for a week and a bit. Oh, great. So, what are you yeah. doing? We've got a house out there, so Wonderful. We're, we're going out there to do some do some work and you know hang out in Nashville for a bit. And he's going to make movie trailers for. Yeah, I was going to actually. Stuff. Do you do a lot of movie stuff? A lot of those kind of dates. I haven't done a lot. Um, I did Zootopia. I did Get On Up. Um, what did I just do? Um, I've done more probably in the past three or four years than, mm -hmm. than I've done previously, but I've, yeah. I've started to do actually more. Right. Did the movie Sing. Oh, wow. Okay, um, yeah. Oh, what else have I done? Been do, I've been doing more over the past yeah. three or four years, yeah. Yeah, and what about the stuff you do in your your, your studio? What does that mainly calls for? Usually somebody, you know, wants me to put guitar on something and they'll either send it or they'll come by and, yeah. and uh, you know, put some stuff on there and, you know, play, you know, like if it's, they're not, if, if they're not sitting there, I'll play a few different ideas and, 
you know, make sure they like it and send it back to them. Yeah. Yeah. Is it more a, is it a lot of song, more songwriter type stuff, or is it bands and stuff like that? Yeah. More songwriter type stuff, yeah. you know, some bands, you know, yeah. um, you know, some solo artists, you know, they'll just send it over and, you know, try some stuff and, yeah. yeah. Wow, man. What yeah, so, so being the Paul you are today, if you could talk to the Paul of like 18 years old, mm -hmm. what would you tell him? I would tell him to practice more. Wow. And play live more. That's what I'd tell him. I would say, um, well, practice more, play live more, and take time to get a social life. Um, most musicians, in my opinion, are a little left of center, myself included, because we spend all of our de developmental time by ourselves or with other guys and girls to do exactly what we're doing. So we're all nuts. <laughs> and uh, that's my personal <laughs> Right. Know. But uh, so I'd say, you know, go to the movies every once in a while. Go see a play. You know, get a girlfriend. You know, I didn't, I didn't do any of that, you know. Um, but I would say practice more, play yeah. live more, and, and get a little bit more of a social life. That's probably what I'd say. Yeah. Do you, do you have do you have kids yourself? I do. I have a daughter who's thirty and a son who's twenty seven. Now, they are they in the industry or? Uh, my daughter got her degree in music, went on the road singing with Natalie Cole for a year, came back wow. and decided she didn't want to sing. So she's an esthetician and does makeup, and she does a makeup blog and some other stuff, and she's mm -hmm. enjoying life. Now, my son, very interesting. He never pursued it before. He got his degree in business. He works for. Uh, uh, a good firm, and he goes home every night and works on Logic writing EDM music now. Really? Yep. Wow. Yeah. So that's that's what. That's now what is he, he throwing? Hey, Dag, throw, throw something on this. Is he throwing? Stuff I'm at you? begging him. I said, Hey, you know, send me something. <laughs> I told him, Write me a song. Write me a song, or let me play on something you're doing. It's like, Okay, I will. I will. And I still haven't heard anything yet. So. <laughs> yeah. I always think I always think it'd be really cool to put. Um, Kind of like bebop and stuff like that with some of this new stuff they're doing now, just so people, these younger people, hear the stuff that can be done. You know. Yeah. You know who was really good at that was Chuck Loeb. Yeah. Right. He was great at that. You know, it's just you know he'd write these kind of house grooves or whatever, and then he'd just blow over. It. Yeah. Like it's like man, this is amazing. You know. He just yeah, I miss that guy. That's awesome. And yeah. the, do they live in? Do kids live in town? They yeah, they live like, in LA. They live in the Valley. Yeah. Oh man, that's yeah. awesome. Man. Yeah. Congrats, that's fantastic. Yeah. No grandchildren? Not yet. Well, yeah, not yet. Still waiting. <laughs> yeah. That's great. So basically, practice more, go out and party, enjoy life. Well, practice more, play live more. Play live more. And then go out and party. But you can party while you play live. Play live, right? Yeah. yeah. And get, you know, get a social life. Yeah. Because I, I, you know, I really didn't have one. I... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know a lot of cats that did did that too yeah yeah you probably didn't right you all your cats were live guys well, I, was in, I was playing live all the time. all the time yeah. so that was the social life yeah i mean it wasn't like okay i didn't go out and hang out with different people i was hanging out with jazz musicians or or rock musicians or people that like jazz musicians and rock musicians but <laughs> i was hanging out with people all the time yeah i mean i did practice a shitload 
Yeah. But if if there was playing to be done, practicing was going to wait. Right. Playing playing was more important. Practicing yeah. was going to happen when I had time to do it. Yeah. That well, was always you, the way I When you it. made a decision to go out and start playing live more, mm-hmm. was that was there like a, a hurdle of oh man, I haven't done this for a long time. This is a whole this a little bit nerves of going out and doing that again? A little bit. Um, you know, I'd done records and then I stopped doing them and then uh, and then going back out a little bit, but you know, I was up for the challenges. You know, it's yeah. it's just it it still boils down to how it all started is practice, rehearse. You know, um, what was it that Arnold Palmer said? The more I practice, the luckier I get. Mm. So you know, <laughs> that's a great one. Yeah. Um, so it still it still boils down to the same right. thing. It's the same, you know, it's, same, same thing. It's it's same it's same as it always was. Right. You know, you practice it, you learn it, you get confident with it, and then you know you go out and and obviously the the performance part of it was, you know, a little bit foreign. But I'm you know getting starting to get used to it again. But my biggest concern when I go out and play is is playing well. Yeah. And that comes from practicing. You know, it's kind of like okay if I've practiced this and figured stuff out and you know thought about it and you know. And it's like, it's exactly what I tell my students, is you practice stuff to not think about it. Mm. You know, you practice technique, you practice playing changes, you practice go, you practice all this stuff so that when you go and play, you don't think about it, you just play. And hopefully you've practiced it enough to where it starts to come out in your playing. Yeah. And yeah. that's the thing. But you don't, you know, you don't think about it. Like, okay, I'm going to practice this solo, I'm going to go play this. No, you don't do that. You know, you practice figuring out how to get through stuff. So when something comes up, you start playing, it's like, oh man, I can get through this. You know, yeah. So it, it still it still boils down to the same thing. Because there's a massive difference from sitting in your bedroom playing something to being in front of a, a large room full of people, right? And playing something, yeah. And um and getting or playing with that. live people or playing with live people or playing, yeah, yeah. That's a real big thing. I yeah. mean, yes, of course, if you know the room and the people are, but just yeah, playing in your room, man, without you know, it, it's not the same. Yeah. No. It's, yeah. uh, you can't, and you can't teach experience. No. No. You got to get experience. You got, you got to get it. You know, and that's not. It's really not a put down. It's just really a accurate observation. You just, you know, you just have to get it. It just takes time and and putting yourself out there in some way. Yeah. Know? Yeah, and you know, I mean, and there's also like, I mean, there's I kind of have this feeling like you don't really know anything until you've fucked it up three times in public. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> then you know it. Then you, yeah, or or what? Yeah, exactly. Or what I used to tell people, you know, they That's say, well, so great. they say, well, how did you know that you? How did you? How did you start playing the right rhythm parts? I said, well, I'd go in the control room and listen to the playback, and I'd watch the producer, and if he turned my part down to where it was very barely audible, I knew that was the wrong part. <laughs> so you got to start coming up with stuff that they like to turn up. Right. You know, like you said, you just you mess it up enough, you you know. It's like, okay, I got to figure out a way not to mess this up, right. you know. And so you you like you said, you you mess it up a few times, it's like, okay, I don't want to mess this up anymore. How do I achieve that? You know, which is experience. Mhm. Exactly. You know. Well, when when the kids came along, did that was that a massive shift? As a you know, trying to juggle being a dad, being a guitar player, practicing, changing diapers. You, do you remember? That? It was, and that was the period where I felt like I, you know, I probably should have practiced more. And and you know, you know, when the kids are asleep, do the you know, do what Wes Montgomery did, practice it late at night or, or whatever, you know. But um, 
um, you know, there were there were uh, decisions to make, but and and my kids are great, so I I did that part of it right, you know. Other things, not so much. That part of it, I did right. Um, but you know, they're they're you know they're always trade offs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I've got a three year old, ah. and I'm noticing all the things that I want to be doing. It just quickly everything goes south as soon as she is awake. Or well, here's you know. the thing: is it's pretty much a wrap until she turns four. Yeah, I kind of figured when, as much. Yeah, when she turns four, when at four they start to turn into company. Yeah, and they would just kind of want to hang out. So something as simple as you know, you in here playing the guitar and, you know, her hanging out on, you know, you know, doing a educational game or whatever. Just the fact that she's sitting here while you're playing the guitar, you know, it's cool. I just want to hang with dad. Yeah. Know? So that, that happens about four. Good. So, yeah. So you have stuff to look forward to. <laughs> yeah. Until then. Until then. Until then. I mean, I, I'll pray for you. I yeah. swear to God, I've tried. I've been doing, some mornings I wake up at four. Mm-hmm. Four or five and I'll be up and I'm like, I'm into it. And I've got a, a you know, my regimen, what I want to work on. And then the day will finish. And then that night, all right, I'm going to do it again. It was such an awesome, today was perfect. I can do this. And then that night, she'll have a bad night and I don't get two hours sleep or whatever and I'm wrecked I can't get up the next day to repeat that because right. my day's just done you know so it is a constant yeah, but you're doing the right thing here which is keeping these guitars right here mm-hmm. so you got five minutes you can pick them up play yeah you know you got all these guitars out man this is great you know this is exactly what you need to do because yeah you can't put them away boom you got a second you grab them. i mean the hardest part of practice is getting the guitar out of the case yeah mm-hmm. opening the case that's yeah. the hardest part of practice yeah same thing i leave them out in, in the house their guitars are out yeah 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 yeah, yeah. Oh. well sir i gotta say it was a real pleasure to have you here today. oh this was oh, a blast really, really it's really like cool. oh, you man. know yeah Thank you so much. I mean, yeah. your 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 career is um, absolutely amazing. The stuff you've done over your lifetime, and so tell me in the plans for the future, more more live playing. I guess you're saying more live playing. Um, yeah, more live playing. I I really want to get just you know it's an interesting time because I read this this book by Miles Monroe, and it was called Releasing Your Potential, and one of the things about working at something is you release the potential that God put in you. But the only way to get it out is by working at it. And the cool thing is like all the stuff that I'm learning like now just to, just because I'm working at it, you know. And so the idea is, like you said, more live playing, better playing, more knowledgeable playing, and... Um, you know, learning a couple of new instruments, and those—that's—that's that's really what I'm interested in now. Cool. It's just you know, just getting better. Do you sing? You know? Not well. I sing. I sing like I sing like Jimi Hendrix. Oh, well, that's pretty well. Uh, no, it isn't. <laughs> I, <laughs> ever, I like are you it. experienced? <laughs> have you ever been experienced? Well, uh, I have. That's how Jimi Hendrix sings. <laughs> <laughs> More like Bootsy Collins, actually, probably. You know, yeah. somewhere between Jimi Hendrix and Bootsy Collins. But do you sing live? Do you do? No. No. It's a, no. No, I don't. No. Now, I could ask you, and this is more political and life and racial and everything, as a black American, mm-hmm. did you, growing up in L.A., did you deal with, like, did you deal with the race stuff a lot harder, even, like, with the music and everything? Did you have to deal with a lot of that bullshit or not? 
uh, come across it on the Nothing like, obviously, guys who came before me. Right. But there were still things like, you know, if you'd write a song and you're trying to get on a record immediately, they'd send you to the R&B department. Or they assumed that because you were African-American that, that you know, you, your idea, you know, your thing was R&B. Um, you know, but, I mean, it was not anywhere near what it could have been. I mean, I was really, really fortunate. Plus, you know, you're working playing with guys from everywhere yeah yeah and that was like the great the great equalizer was the music it's like you know how well do you play yeah you know how does it how do you make it feel are you a drag to be around yeah you know that kind of stuff so within the the actual music working community there wasn't a lot of that at all i mean i can't really think of any yeah you know oh yeah well that's good yeah do you do you sense it's do you, maybe not in the industry that you're dealing with, just in, in just in social. Do you feel it's it's getting worse at the moment? Do you feel? What are your thoughts on it? Well, my thoughts are, is that there have been things that have been existing for years and years and years. I mean, like there was racial tension, things that I had to deal with, like getting pulled out of my car by the police, and you know all those kind of things. And all of my friends, and when I say all, I mean all of my friends right. went through similar experiences. Growing up in L.A., yeah, um, but I feel like there have been so many things bubbling under the surface that now people are feeling more comfortable to express. And I don't think it's that it's gone away. I think that people are more comfortable expressing it. The other thing is, I think there's the old scapegoat thing. You know, I'm not successful, or I don't have what I should have or could have because fill-in-the-blank is doing what I could have done or mm-hmm. what I should have done or what I deserve to do. Yeah. And so I think there's a lot of blame-shifting which which gets away from personal responsibility a lot of times and turns into racism. Yeah. I think that's part of the problem. And then I think a lot of people are just, you know, sexist and racist and, you know, misogynistic and narcissistic and and that's just the way that a lot of people are. And I think now that a lot of people feel more comfortable in expressing that. Yeah, and I also think with these, I'm, and I'm holding up a phone, mm-hmm. we have ways of documenting it. Yeah. You know, because whereas before you could just say that this was happening and people would dismiss it as, well, you know, yeah, I right. prove it. You can't prove it. Now we've got proof. Yeah. Now every instance could be proven simply by somebody filming it, and we all have now become filmmakers. Right. And, and journalists, you know. we And so... It's good. That's a good thing about these phones is exposing, you know, shining daylight on the fact that, hey, these people aren't bullshit and they're telling the truth and this is what's happening and we have to deal with it, you know, and uh, and probably there will be a huge, just like any time you have to deal with something that's difficult, it it brings up problems. Right. And, you know, it's, it's a difficult passage to get beyond it. And Lord knows, uh, in my lifetime... I've seen it ebb and flow numerous times, mm. you know, and each time it gets better, but then it gets worse, and then it gets better than that, and then it gets worse, and, you know, I mean, from what I've observed, and of course I'm here, I'm saying just as an observer, not as a particular person who, I happen to be lucky to be in a demographic that gets unnoticed, <laughs> you know, I'm an invisible person. Until I play bebop, then I'm hated by everybody. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, invisible is it's 
you know, I know you're speaking parenthetically, but that's a funny thing, you know, to feel like people don't really notice that you're there. And, and, and like, for instance, um, being this age, I noticed that young people do things where they're obviously not paying too attention to the fact that I'm, I'm there, mm-hmm. you know. Um, you know, either they're like, for instance, you know, we teach at school and I can't tell you how many times I've always been run over by skateboards and bicycles because you have kids walking around, looking at their phones, talking to their friends, texting, doing whatever it is they're doing. And so they're totally oblivious to the fact that if you just look up, you'd see people, you might meet somebody, you might make some friends, Mm. you know, you might see some trees, look at the blue sky Heaven forbid, you might realize you're getting ready to run into a teacher. <laughs> so the it's funny you say invisible because that's that's the funny thing, and that's you know a lot of and you know getting back to the question you asked me before, uh, that's a one of the integral parts of, of racism is is treating people like they're invisible. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So um, anyway, it's yeah, man. We're we're going through some really interesting times right now. That uh, yeah. It's yeah, it's very, very interesting. <laughs> Sorry, excuse me, Mark. No, I know, I know what you mean. It's, it is. It's crazy interesting, but we will see. We but, are. Oh, you know what we've got to do? We've got to get. We've got to get you to sign the guitar. Nice. The, the guitar wank. Oh, look at that. The guitar wank tally. Nice, nice. It's been signed by a lot of people, so uh, choose a spot, sir. Okay. And uh, sign away. I shall, I shall. That looks like a good spot right here. We've, uh, what have we got? We've got Albert Lee on there. We've got Joe Bonamassa. We've got, um, who else have we got? We've got everyone. We've got Robin. we got Great. Smitty. Robin, Smitty. Oh, I see Robin Ford right Smitty there. Smith. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, have you played with Martin? Uh, Ro- uh, uh, Smitty. Smitty, thank you. The drummer? Yeah. 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 You guys? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. He was funny, man. Yeah. Smitty's fun great. He's a good dude. <laughs> Real good dude. Yeah. Yes. We're going to have... Uh, well, Joel Taylor, right? Joel's Hopefully. coming. Oh yeah, on. I know yeah. Joel. Yeah, yeah, yeah he's yeah, coming with, on soon. Yeah, went to Japan with him with uh, with with uh, F, uh, with uh, Jeff Lorber years oh, ago. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So, yeah. awesome. Yeah. Well, one of these days we got to play something. That would be nice. Instead of just being roommates, we got to yeah make some music. <laughs> Is that always the way roommates they don't play anything? Well, music. yeah, you know. Are you going to be home tonight? No. Okay. Cool. Are you going to be home tomorrow? Okay. Yeah. yeah cool. Uh, yeah, because you're there on Mondays, Thursdays, and well, technically I have the office on Monday, Thursday, Friday, but I'm just there whenever I, it okay. my 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 road schedule and permits. Luckily, I have access to another room because you've got it Tuesday and Wednesday. Tuesday, Wednesday, yeah. But if you're not there and I want to be there, I'll just take it. Oh, cool. And if and if you are there, I'll just find another place. Oh, okay, that easy. Okay. No, I was just thinking in terms of us playing together. I just. But playing together, you know, I will be there tomorrow, but you're not. But if I'm ever there on a Tuesday, we can do it. Oh, cool. Because I am there quite often. Okay. And sometimes I'm there on Thursdays just, you know, doing other stuff. Well, if you are, come in and play. Great. We have, I I have kind of a, of course, I shouldn't say this because they may hear me, but they don't listen to this. Uh, I kind of, I really, like, I really believe in the whole community and learning together. I do too. So I, I make... All the students agree, and if they don't, then they they can opt out. 
but they agreed to what I call the bombing protocol, which is like at any point you can, if you're one of my students in this, in this, you know, in the studio, right? You can g- visit for anybody else's lesson. What? Nice. You can come in and you can hang. And if we're just playing, you can play along. If we're working on something specific, you can observe. That's fantastic. Right? You know, I mean, Nuts. just to say like, hey, you you could easily get, even though you've paid for X hours, 15 hours in the semester, you could get 45, 60 hours if you wanted. Right. You know, all you got to do is come by the door. And plus, I post the schedule for everybody so yeah. they all know. I'm there, and you can show up for somebody else's, and they can show up for yours. So it's like nobody gets – everybody agrees to it at the beginning. If somebody says, no, I don't want to do it, which has never happened. Right. But if somebody did, then it, they would not be allowed to bomb other people's lessons, and theirs would be right. just their own thing. And we've uh, and we've done that for the last couple of years. That's fantastic. That and, is and, really and, cool. and there are some – and you can tell who wants it because, you know, there are some guys who are just always there. Yeah. They're just there hanging, you know. Right. And if we're working on a recital, or if I'm working on a specific thing with a guy, he's just like checking it out, right. you know. And then if we're playing a tune, we'll play. Right. Just play. Yeah, yeah. Does that mean you could take me to to Daddy take fellow guitar wanker to school one day? You could come and hang. Of really? course, of course, yeah. you could. Dude, that'd be awesome. Yeah, I'd love to see what you guys do there. You should just come in and hang. Yeah, totally, yeah. man. So wow. and. Uh, we, you know, but that's what it's all about. I mean, and there have been times where it's been funny. Like Frank used to be the chair, and like you know, he'd come by, and hear something, he'd knock on the door, and there'd be like six guys in there. We'd be all playing. You know? it's like, <laughs> what happened? You know, so it's, you know, yeah. <laughs> what can I say? <laughs> they want to play. We're right. here to play. It's what they paid for. Right. You know, that's cool. So uh, really cool, man. Yeah, we do that, and you know. Yeah. We all bust each other. You know, everybody's... It's like we're sharing, but we're competing. You know, friendly competition. Yeah. You know, it's, it's you know, oh, man, he's got that together. I better get that together. Right. You know? Right. That's that's another thing that playing out in and I think is missing. Yeah. Yeah, because, you you know, like you said, you're going to school with, uh, you know, even in high school, and, and you know, you're going to school with... Uh, uh, we used to hang out at the baked potato. Mm. Yeah. And me and my buddies, and it was a lot of drummers because Harvey would play there a lot. Harvey Mason would play there a lot, and then bass players and stuff. Yeah. But it was the same thing. Man, I got to get that together. Yeah. Well, you got to get that together, and I got to learn that so I can play this with you. And, yeah, right. You know, so yeah, like you said, it's kind of like a competition thing where, oh man, he's getting this together, and I better, you know, hurry up and, you know, or. Right. Yeah. So yeah, you're absolutely right. I was doing this uh, workshop with Terrence Blanchard. Yeah, and uh, Terrence said he said, you know, when I was a little kid in New Orleans, I was taking trumpet lessons from the same teacher that Winton was taking. You know, they're about the same age. Yeah, and uh, he he says I asked my trumpet teacher, says do I have to practice every day? You know, and the trumpet mm-hmm. teacher said no. He says but but Winton is. <laughs> So he did. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> the end of the story, yep. there you have it. Yep. You know. It's like you don't have to practice every day, but the other guys are. Yeah. Just letting you know. Yeah. Yeah. It's okay. Your choice. Right. Yeah. Um 
And you can, and like you said, you can see it at school. You know, who wants it bad and who doesn't? Right, right. And it's so funny. I mean, it's like how many guys really get? There's, a, there's the few. You know, there's the, the George Bensons, Julian Lodges. You know, that were like savants at age five. Yeah. You know, but besides them, really wasn't the best guy in high school. It's usually the second best guy in high school that excels. Yeah. Because the best guy in high school, it all came easy and he was good. The second guy in high school, he had to work his ass off to be as good as the best guy. And so when they kind of got into the higher echelons, one had the work ethic and the other didn't. Mm. One, it's like the work was scary and the other was like, this is what I do every day. Right, it's no, no big, big deal. deal. Right, right. You know, I mean, and I'm sure this is true in athletics too. Well, that's, you know, I mean, there's yeah. occasionally one that's just a freak, you like a LeBron or something. Right. But the rest of the guys, it's like there's the one who's really good and the one who's almost as good but working his ass off to be as good. And then they get in the next level where they both have to up their game. Yeah. And that's where the one who's used to upping his game has the tools. Right. Compared to the guy who's just kind of naturally there. Well, that's what... Does that make sense? Yeah, well, that's what it was at SC when I got there. Oh, okay. There was one kid there from New York who was studying with Gene Bertensini who could play circles around everybody. But he never came to class. I was there for every class, every group class, every lesson, every everything. And then I was spending like... When I was at SC, I was spending like 10 hours a day on the guitar. That's all. Like I said, I didn't go anywhere to do anything but play the guitar. And because like you said, I was like, man, I wasn't like, you know, this guy... He was scary good. I'll never forget. He had a. Remember his name? I don't. But. Uh, what if he's even still playing? I don't know. That's a good question. But, you know, I remember, you know, Duke would try to get him to come to class. And, you know, it's like, ah, oh, man, you know, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, but, yeah, that dude was scary good. Yeah. And, uh, no, I mean, there was a guy in my high school when I, you know, was playing, just starting on guitar. I played piano as a kid, but switched to guitar. Just learning the stuff, trying to play this music, you know. Uh, he showed me a lot of stuff. He was a really nice guy. He was better than me, and he yeah. let me know it all the time. You know? <laughs> and uh, I just kept going, and he just sort of stayed there. And to this day, to this day, at this age, he'll like kind of come up to me and talk to me like I'm still, you know, right. under him. That's and he basically plays the same as he did right. in 12th grade. <laughs> right. You know, which is like, sorry, you know, I right. kind of remember what that was. Right. You know? and, and yet fantastic. in his mind, that's what it is, you know, and it's why he, you know, is frustrated. Because as good as he is, and he is the talent, he just didn't do the work. Yeah. Wow. But it, there's something to be said to be that, obliv that <laughs> living in that... <laughs> reality. Well, it's kind of like an older brother thing. Right. <laughs> yeah. You're always the older brother. You're never not going to be the older brother. Yeah. No matter, you know, it's like 
your brother gets your younger brother gets elected president. Yeah, and he's still your fucking younger brother. <laughs> <laughs> you know all the buttons to push. Right. You know he had to wear right. hand me down. You beat and, him up when he was right, young, you and know. he'll never be able to get over it. Yeah. yeah. So. <laughs> but it's nice to be that oblivious to to the reality and just live in that world that you yeah. still he still thinks you're under him. That's <laughs> <laughs> great. That's great, kind of man. Cool. I'll go. I mean, he's, he lives in another town, but I go through. Him. I see him. You yeah. Know, every okay. Yeah. Ten years or so, he come to my gigs. You know. Yeah, <laughs> he'll tell me about what he's playing. Yeah, I could, you know, you know, I mean, you know, he'll even ask me, "Can you introduce me to the club owner and shit?" Mm-hmm. Sure, I'll introduce you to the club owner. Yeah. <laughs> you know, fuck. If they want to hire you, they should hire you. Yeah, you know, you know. ain't gonna happen, but go ahead. Right, yeah, not, <laughs> knock yourself out. Make yourself happy. Right? You know. Wow, man, that's funny. That's really funny. <laughs> Just, you know. Oh man. All right. Well, well yeah, I'm, I know the guitar wankers. This is going to be great, man. This is going to be great. We'll, oh, have to, we'll have to get you in because there's only like 160 episodes you haven't heard. Okay, cool. <laughs> We've been doing it for three years. So. Nice. Three years, yeah. This is pretty much what we do. Just sit around. Shoot the shit. And shooting the shit. Yeah. Talking about stuff. Talking Wayne's about World. Stuff. You know? Yeah. It's yep. <laughs> Wayne's World. <laughs> Speaking yeah. of which, it was really funny to see Mike Myers in the Bohemian Rhapsody. He's in that movie. Oh, He's yeah, in the right. movie? Yes. And I don't know if you remember Wayne's World when they were doing... I very much do, yeah. Okay, yeah. yeah. So they were doing Bohemian Rhapsody right. in Wayne's World. Right. And then to see him in the movie, he plays uh, like uh, the record executive. He, uh, record executive. Oh, wow. EMI. Probably really good in it. Too. He's great. And you, you might not even recognize it's him and, wow. unless you know it's him. Unless yeah. you know you're looking for him. But it's really, it's just weird. You know? I still can't get over that Brian May, with his dad at 13, built that guitar. And he's still playing that guitar. Still yes. played it. like, and, and it was in the movie. They used it in the oh, movie. Oh, really? Really? Yeah. Wow. Because I know you can buy... Um, you know, oh, well, maybe it, well, maybe it was a copy of it. But, but who at 13, like, Brian May's a... He's an astrophysicist, Yeah, he's man. a smart on, cat. I imagine know. his old man was probably a really clued in guy, too, but... Yeah. 13, I would love to get him on the couch, man. Wouldn't yeah. it be great to have him here? Oh, yeah. We tried to get him, and his yeah. people said no. Yeah, but no one this else. is way before the Well, it was probably they were talking about the movie yeah. back then. But that guitar changed the world in that genre. I mean, and his solos aren't just willy-willy solos. I mean, every solo is so recognizable, amazing tone, amazing playing. And he built that guitar when he was 13. Those guys were so iconic, man. We were hearing that music again. Yeah. In context. Kind of a little I mean, Even though it's a Hollywoodized movie, of course. Uh, hearing that m- music in context was just so great. You know? Yeah. It just was. It's just... It's, it's really... It's a testament to... Believing in yourself and you know following the sound and being a creator, mm-hmm. not a follower. Yeah, yeah, right. You know what I yeah. mean? They weren't thinking about what genre they were in. They were just doing the music. You know, they they were wacky people. I mean, particularly Freddie Mercury, who just had a vision for stuff, right, and did it amazing and you know it's it's precious it's it's there's not a lot of people doing it right now i mean i'm I'm frustrated personally 
in I, the world of of not seeing mm-hmm. that kind of okay, you know, and even at our age, okay, we've done what we've done. Now, what about whatever? You know, do something new and yeah. like really like what do we have? Do we really have that much to lose? I mean. You're always going to be called for record dates. I'm always going to be called to comfort people. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like no matter what I do, I could start a cowboy band, which I did. Right. I could start a, uh, you know, I could do this solo like one act show stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm still going to get calls to play trio. You know, what I mean, yeah. it's like I'm not going to lose that. You know, but if I'm hearing it, I should do it. You know, this is like why wait around for somebody else to crack the code? Mm-hmm. This is what we're here to do. Right. Well, what you're talking about is potential. And like I tell, like I tell the students all the time, is listen. I don't expect you to do what I what I did. I expect you guys to go out and recreate this entire thing. Yeah, is to write a new page, write a new chapter, write a new script. Totally change this thing around. You know, you guys have hopefully what we're doing is giving you the skills to do that. Right. Yeah. I totally agree. And man, you know. You know they're going to look back at this time and see it as this huge time of change. Yeah, You're like we're, we 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 can't see it because we're in it, but the whole technology change, the whole societal and cultural change. Yeah, what's happening right now? Like we we were the end of those guys that made a record then toured. Right, we were the ends of guys that saw music as actually a commercial thing. It's left. It's left the building. Yeah. Now everything's free on your phone. How is anybody going to make any money on it? It's not going to be the ways we made it. Right. You guys are going to have to figure. They're it out. going to, have to figure a whole new economy for it. They're going to have to figure a whole new method of reaching out to people. Yep. They're going to have to find. Ultimately, because because of that, they're going to have to find a new way to express musically what the world is about. Right. And all this, we because we're in it. We can't see it, but if we could only place ourselves while we're in it to be right. the adopter on the front end, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Because yeah. it could go here. It could be a pendulum shift back to the old days. Right. It could be anything. It could be anything. Right. right. And the person that can can figure out the thing that needs to happen and mm. then can be the front end of it. Right. And And that's really our job at that school mm-hmm. exactly. is to encourage that behavior. Right. Yeah. You know, while giving them the benefit of our experience. Right. Yeah. That's absolutely. my personal opinion. I, I agree with that 100%. Yeah. Because really, this is a time maybe like the 60s. Yeah. We just can't see it. Right. And maybe in the 60s they couldn't either. Yeah. I mean, I was a kid. I mean, I was young then. Yeah. Sure, seemed like I knew what, I, that something heavy was happening, but maybe I maybe it's just all hindsight at this point. You gotta think there's some heavy shit going on right now, right? It's it's already it's all happening and it's ready to happen and the stage is set, you know. And who knows? It's already like the genesis may have already been there, but the actual adoption of it hasn't happened, mm. you know. And um, that's what I'm trying to get these kids because. That's when you start to accept the awesome responsibility of art. That's when you like, okay, you know, craft becomes art at that point. It's when it's like, it 
it reflects the environment, but it also sheds light on the change that needs to happen. And it's it's the front edge of things. Mm-hmm. And they will probably look back, and there'll, there'll be new things, you know. Hopefully Spotify isn't it, but, you know, I mean, something, you something, know, something like that, beyond that. that. Right. That, that actually creates community and doesn't just sort of... Right. Take. <laughs> doesn't sort of parasite, parasitically, you know. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. Yeah. But I think, I think it's all going to change. It's no, definitely going to change. It has to change. Yeah, it has to change. It has to. Yeah, it has, it to. has to. People aren't happy right now. You know. Yeah, it has to change. Nice. All right, guys. Yay. Sir, it was an absolute pleasure. My Thank pleasure, you so sir. Much, sir. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Really cool. All right. Cool, cool, cool. That was fun. Yeah. <laughs> okay, for those of you who waited till the end, here's our correction. Okay, the, the one of you that waited till the end. Uh, in fact, I know I alluded to Troy not wearing pants. In fact, uh, he was wearing pants throughout the entire podcast, although he's wearing the underwear on the outside, which made him look like a strange Australian Superman. I want to let you know that the Stellar uh, IPA by North Coast Brewing doesn't go to marine habitat. It goes to marine mammal research. I know that's a important distinction I should have made. Consider it made. Uh, also, I know I also alluded to the fact that I found the bridge to Green Dolphin Street in a fortune cookie. And that actually is not true. It was the bridge to happy birthday. And uh, I will endeavor to be less fractual in the future. So there you have it. See you next week.